And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order, you know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Bing Crosby stars on the Philco Radio Time as he welcomes guests Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy from 1948. Then, is Phil Harris going to play a detective on television? Let's find out on part one of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show from 1949. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Hey, what's happening in Hollywood? So we've got Natalie Portman in the news. Isn't oh, she uh, yeah. on your list? Definitely on That's my list. That's what I thought. So, yeah, she's a cutie patootie. Yeah, well, I agree with you. And she's going to direct and star in a Dear Abby and Landers biopic. Really? Really? So I'm, So you say biopic, I say biopic. Well, okay. I'm okay you with know, us. You know, Smith, Smythe. Right. I'm okay. We usually via, tend to via. not agree. So this is about identical twin sisters who wrote advice columns as Abigail Van Buren right. and Ann Landers. Now, yeah. The sisters are born in 1918. Wow. And Dear Abby was launched in 1956 in the San Francisco Chronicle. Her twin sister won a contest in 1955 to take over the Ask Ann Landers advice column, which was in the... Chicago Sun Times wow. here in Chicago. Yeah, sure. So they were competing columns, and the sisters um, had a rivalry their whole lives about wow. this. It's like Cain and Abel, but with gals. I think it's kind of like you and me. I don't know a little, a little bit. bit of that. Yeah. So Natalie Portman will portray both of the sisters for this project. Come on. Yep, she can do it. If I want to see that. I know you do. Wow. So we can look forward to that. So this biopic is going to be really good, right? I think so. I think with Natalie Portman uh, signed on, I think it can't be or a loser. Or this biopic. Either way. Yeah, either way. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see that. You just that. said either, and I said either. I, I so that's how we roll. I'm really excited about watching that. I know you are. When is it coming out? I don't know yet. Oh, it doesn't right. even have a can title yet. Can you keep yet. us posted on that? Absolutely. Thank that's you. what I do. We can ask Ann Landers, although she's not around anymore. No, you can't. So we can't. Or you can ask Dear Abby. Or, or no, not. can't. No, but you know what? This no. is going to be really good. I think so, too. All right. Thanks, Lisa. Carl. All right, it's time now for the Philco Radio Time. This was a musical variety series. Came to radio in 1946, lasted until 1949. It's heard on ABC. It starred Bing Crosby, and his regulars on the show were Peggy Lee and the John Scott Trotter Orchestra. This was the first pre-recorded program to air on major U.S. radio networks because Bing Crosby was a busy guy. He didn't want to do live radio. And so ABC said, look, we'll tape it for you. We have these big Ampex tape players now. You can come in and you can tape two or three shows in one day. We'll get all the guest stars lined up. And we'll pay you a boatload of money. And he said, you know what? I'll do that. Yeah, that works for me. 
So this was sponsored by the Philco Corporation, which made Philco radios and TV sets. And they had all kinds of great guests because he was Bing Crosby. You can get all kinds of guests. And on this particular episode from November 3rd, 1948, Bing Crosby welcomes his special guests, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. This was sponsored by Philco. Here's part one now of the Philco Radio Time. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, This is Ken Carpenter, welcoming you to Philco Radio Time, produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Conlon's Rhythm Airs, and Bing's guests, Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, and Mortimer Snur. Ladies and gentlemen, stand by for a late election flash. A recount of the votes for President of the United States from Elko County, Nevada, shows that Harry, Harry Crosby that is, now has a grand total of four votes instead of two, as previously announced. But reached on the phone at a very early hour this morning, candidate Crosby said... Uh, what time is it? So now we... So now we bring you a candidate who, along with others, didn't know what time it was, Bing Crosby. I'll get him in 1952. Well, Ken, it was quite a campaign, wasn't it? Yes, it was, Bing. By the way, how did you uh, cast your ballot? Me? Well, Ken, I, I voted yes on Proposition 806. Proposition 806? I don't seem to recall that Big, one. big proposition. Very yeah. important. That's the one that makes it mandatory to put a circle around the twin who has the Tony. Oh, that is devised to take the guesswork out of advertising. <laughs> You've got uh, something to take the guesswork out of singing? Well, I don't know. I think we're fairly well prepared tonight. Uh, the rhythm airs, John Scott and the orchestra, and I have a light, frothy little thing entitled, You Call Everybody Darling. Ready, everybody? Everybody darling And everybody called you darling too You don't mean what you're saying It's just a game you're playing But you'll find someone else can play the game As well as you If you call everybody darling Then love won't Come a-knocking at your door And as the years go by You're gonna sit and wonder why Nobody calls you darling anymore You'll call everybody darling everybody calls your darling Darling, anymore. This is our 
boys and girls. You were darling. And now, folks, Mr. Ken Carpenter, who calls everybody Philco. Oh, I wouldn't go that far, but well, how far would you go? Well, I'd go anywhere and listen to the new Philcos. And, folks, you can walk into your Philco dealer tomorrow and bend an air to the greatest invention of our times in recorded music. Philco's new radio phonograph that plays the 45-minute record. What's more, you can take it with you because your Philco dealer is ready to make immediate delivery on a variety of new models that play both kinds of records, long playing and standard. From every angle, tone, performance, convenience, these new Philcos set a new standard that leaves the conventional phonograph as dead as the dodo bird. You get tone that's absolutely out of this world, all the music of a whole six-record symphony on a single 12-inch record. And as to record scratch, well, you just don't hear it. Figure it out for yourself. You wouldn't buy a new automobile without four-wheel brakes, would you? Of course you wouldn't. And neither can you afford to buy a new radio phonograph unless it plays that marvelous new 45-minute record. Seeing is believing, but listening is better still. Get a demonstration now of the newest thing in radio phonographs from Philco, the leader. Yes, time has arrived, and this evening we're pouring Chasen Sanborn's finest for one of my contemporaries of both the shimmering screen and of the quivering killer cycles. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Edgar Bergen. My friend, Flicker. Hmm? <laughs> well, Edgar, we finally made it. Here we are, the two of us, standing on the same stage. Yes, Bing, here we are, and what a spot for a clever hair salesman. <laughs> if we could just crawl under a scalp doily for a moment, huh? <laughs> we do shine, don't we? But mm. Edgar... It's kind of a novelty to see you without Charlie. Well, now, I don't have to take Charlie every place I'm invited. When you're invited somewhere, do you take Bob Hope with you? Well, no. <laughs> Most places I'm invited, Hope isn't allowed. <laughs> it's quite a roughneck, you know. Well, that's one reason why Charlie isn't here. He's a roughneck, too. Well, a little sandpaper will smooth Charlie out, but oh. Hope, what is hopeless? <laughs> Bing, I believe I detect a little note there of jealousy. It couldn't be that you're bitter because Hope's team won the World Series, could no, it? No, no, Edgar. I'm glad that uh, Bob saw Cleveland win. Mm -hmm. Makes a nice parlay. He saw Cleveland take the oath of office, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, finishes it up good, the cycle. It's all... I hear Bob was so carried away when Cleveland won that he ordered a bottle of Coke for every player on the team. Well, he might have ordered the Cokes, but he never opened them. Oh, yeah. Yes, he did, Bing, and he opened bottle after bottle. Of course, he had to stop. His nose got tired. <laughs> That's a pretty tired nose to begin with. <laughs> but uh, what about Charlie, Eddie? Now, come on. Well, it's a long story, Bing, and it's a sad one. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I can hardly talk about that. Well, Edgar, you'd rather just forget about it. No, I'll force myself. Thank you. <laughs> Don't mention it. That's all right. I'm sorry I did, but go on. Well, you see, Bing, when Charlie and I first started out in this business, we were equal partners. And everything was 50-50. That's not what Charlie says. Well, don't pay attention to him. He tells so many fibs, he should be working with Molly. <laughs> but, um, worse than that, he just refuses to tell the truth. Well, you should know. You do all he's talking for him. Well, <laughs> that's where you're wrong, Bing. You mean Charlie McCarthy learned to talk for himself? Yes, yes. What's so surprising about that? Your brother Everett does. Yes, he does. <laughs> But no kidding, this is astounding, Edgar. When did you first hear Charlie talking? Well, last week somebody asked him a question, and before I could open my mouth, he answered. Oh, say, this is big news. I got to phone Winchell about it. Yeah, but don't bother. Charlie's already called him. 
I tell you, Bing, I, I just don't know what to do about Charlie. Well, where in the world could he have learned to talk? You suppose Jack Benny's parrot has been bootlegging him some speech lessons? No. No, Charlie learned to talk in a hurry. I think he went to Arthur Murray's. Well, Arthur Murray just teaches dancing. How do you know? Did you ever go there and ask him for a lesson in talking? No, I never did. Well, there you are. Then let's not say that they... Let's not say they don't teach talking. Right, you know, I'm worried, Bing, now that Charlie has learned to talk, he's gotten very independent, and I'm afraid he's going to leave me. Nonsense, Edgar. How can Charlie make a living? Well, he's going to give talking lessons at Arthur Murray's. <laughs> You were working around at yeah, something there. Yeah. I can see why you're worried, though. You can? Yes. How are you going to make a living? Well, yes. That's... <laughs> it's another story. <laughs> Things are pretty bleak for me. All I have left now is Mortimer Snurd. Well, and... You ought to be able to pick up quite a living with Mortimer. Well, I don't know. He's pretty dull. I was counting on you helping me out. I'm pretty dull, too. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to teach Mortimer how to sing. He's too dumb. He can't learn anything else. Uh, well, I... Well, thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you say, Bing? Uh, will you show Mortimer a few tricks of your profession? Oh, gee, I don't know. It's getting so tough now with all these new singers coming up. Red Engels, Zeke yeah. Manners. <laughs> Candy Candido and Effie Boone, all yeah. these... Yeah. Well, now, Mortimer won't compete with you, Bing. I'll promise you that. I'll take him out in the backwoods. I'll play the little country towns where nobody even has a radio set. Well, that's where I'm biggest. Oh, well, I'll make a deal with you, Bing. You teach Mortimer how to sing, and I'll teach you ventriloquism. Oh, that's a deal, Edgar. I'd love to be able to ventrile. Oh, it's a lot of... Yes, I can't wait to see the expression on Hope's face the next time he opens my, his mouth and I am... What? And I finally get a word in it. I yeah. fixed that up pretty good. <laughs> I don't do better now when he opens his mouth while we're through. <clears throat> well, we'll go on with what's left of that. <laughs> Pick up and try and salvage it. Yes, yes, yes. Here comes the reaper. <laughs> I'll be back in a few minutes, Bing, and uh, Mortimer's waiting out in the car. Now, why don't you practice a little while I'm gone? Practice ventriloquism? No, reading a line. No, I mean singing a song. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, John. See you later. Bless my gravel, it's Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> I'm glad you're here because I'd like to talk to you about something. You know, Charlie, I'm not one really to pry into other people's affairs, but... You're not Snoopy, eh, Droopy? No. No, I'm not, Todd. But it so happens that I've heard some pretty alarming news about you from Edgar. Edgar who? Edgar Guest. Oh, yeah. I thought, thought maybe you meant Edgar Allen Pugh. <laughs> Now, Charles, that's no way to refer to Bergen. Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. Really? <laughs> as long as he's not here. Anywho, Mr. Crosby, is you don't mind if I call you Mr. Crosby, do you? Well, you could call me Harry Lillis. I've never seen any of those. <laughs> those what? Harry Lillis. <laughs> Walked into it. Oh, I'm vulnerable tonight, all right. For a lad who just learned to talk, you're pretty glib. Oh, so you've read Winchell's column, huh? Yes, yes, but what baffles me is how you learned to talk. Mm -hmm. Where'd you learn? Well, where did you learn? Um, oh, you never learned, huh? Uh, uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, Gary Cooper taught you. <laughs> no, Charlie, I guess I learned to talk. Uh... See, why did I learn to talk? Got you, boy. Have I got you? Oh, this is silly now. This is ridiculous, Charlie. I know where I learned. I learned to talk at my mother's knee. 
Mm-hmm. I learned to talk at my father's. Or is Thurgan my mother? <laughs> Charlie, don't you think you've been an ingrate now, running around and talking and treating Edgar the way you do? No, definitely no. no. Now, Bergen's never been inconsiderate of you, has he? Well, how you talk? Does Bergen let me go out and play baseball with all the other little boys? Does he let me shoot marbles with the other little boys? Does he let me go to the movies with the other little boys? Yes, I'm sure he does. Well, that's the trouble. I hate little boys. <laughs> little girls. <laughs> Big ones, too. <laughs> All sizes and shapes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm particular about the shapes, so I, uh, <laughs> I'm going with an actress now. An actress? Yes. She's got the figure like Betty Grable, red hair like Greer Garson, and eyes like Claudette Colbert. Mm, sounds like quite a salad. Yes, and her dressing ain't bad either. <laughs> Come, let's let's forget about the girls, shall we? Well, I'm willing if you are. Only at your age, you're more willing than I am. I don't know about that. But getting back to Edgar, you better think twice before you walk out on him you now. Sure, change that subject, you know. Yeah. You need him more than he needs you. Yeah, well, then you saw him in that picture he made without me, I remember, Mama. Yes, and I think he did an outstanding job of acting. Well, so does he. After the reviews came out, his head swelled so much the fist tire people had to make him a rubber hat. Mm, I saw him in a tire shop yesterday getting it retreaded. Retreaded nothing. Rita Haler smiled at him and he had a blowout. (laughs) That could happen to anybody. But you're in big trouble, Charlie, if you walk out on Bergen. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to teach Mortimer to sing. Poor Bergen. One blow after another. (laughs) Now, Charlie, can't you be more kindly disposed toward Edgar? No, I guess so. After all, he's not as young as he used to be. None of us is. I am. (laughs) Oh, here comes Edgar now. Now, stick around. We'll all talk this thing over. No, no, no. Talk it over with him. I'm going to hide behind a piano. I want to watch Bergen squirm. Right. (laughs) Don't hide behind Trotter, because we'll have to send a search party after you. Say, Edgar, while you stepped out to get Mortimer, an old friend of yours dropped in. Yeah, oh, oh, was Gabby here? Oh, let's forget about Charles. I want you to meet a real friend of mine, Mortimer Snurd. Mortimer, this is Mr. Crosby. Uh, well, uh, hello there. How to do to you? Uh, well, uh, hello there. Uh, how, to, how to do to you? Well, Daddy. Kinfolk, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, Mortimer, this happens to be Bing. No, how'd it happen? (laughs) Uh, Mortimer, pay attention. You've heard of Bing? Uh, Bing who? Crosby, Bing Crosby. Mm, No, don't know him, don't know him. (laughs) Of course you don't. That's why I want you to meet him. Why should I meet him if I don't know him? (laughs) Well, don't you want to meet new people? (laughs) He don't look so new to me. That's the first portion of the Philco Radio Time starring Bing Crosby. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to the Philco Radio Time. Well, Mortimer, I've heard of you. 
We're both on the radio, you know. Oh, we are? Certainly. What part do you take off? Oh, no part. I just play myself. Oh, no talent, huh? (laughs) No. Mortimer, you're wrong. Bing is a very talented person. In fact, he won an Academy Award. Is this Loretta Young? No. (laughs) No, Miss Young is a woman. Yeah. Mr. Crosby is a man. Oh, there's two kinds of people, huh? Oh, there's three. There's your kind. No. Oh, you're sweet. (laughs) Now, Mortimer, the reason that we're here is that Mr. Crosby is going to teach you how to sing. Yes. Now, Mortimer, let's get on with your lesson. First place, what do you know about music? Music? Well, I hear you can make a lot of money if you stop it. (laughs) Where'd you hear that? On the Fred Allen program, (laughs) huh? Well, first, we'll have to determine what kind of a voice you have. Well, yeah, let's do that little thing. How, how deep is your voice? Oh, I don't rightly know. I never measured it. Uh... <laughs> well, I'll tell you, tell you what we'll do. I'll sing part of a song. You listen, and then sing it after me. No, I don't think I can do that. You mean you can't sing? No, I don't think I can listen. <laughs> <laughs> you got to listen, Mortimer. Yes, it's very important, and to me especially. I think put them in a box. That sounds like a suitable refrain, Edgar. Can I have a little piano, please? Now, listen carefully, Mortimer. You can take the moon, gather up the stars, and the robins that sing merrily. Put them in a box, tie them with a ribbon, throw them in the deep blue sea. (laughs) See, that guy don't need no singing lessons. No, no, no. You need the lessons, Mortimer. Oh, well, how do you know? You ain't heard me sing yet. Go ahead, Mort. Now you grab a chorus. Oh, oh, you can take the moon, gather up the stars, robins that to sing the merrily <laughs> Put them in the box, tie them with a the ribbon, and then you gotta throw them in the. You gotta throw them in the. Hey, where am I gonna throw these things? <laughs> Mortimer, think. Well, think. Uh, one thing at a time, I'm singing now. Uh, throw them in the... Throw them in It's very simple. Now, just think of the third letter of the alphabet. The third letter of the alphabet is the A, B, uh, what's that other one? Uh, C. C uh, just think of C. Oh, yeah, well, I got it now. Yeah, what is it again? C. C oh, yeah. Come on now, Mortimer. Okay, I hope Arthur Godfrey or some talent scout's listening in the list. You can take the flowers down in Lover's Lane And that sentimental poetry Put them in a box Tie them with a ribbon Throw them in the deep blue Mortimer Congratulations Mortimer, you're a smash. I'm proud of you. Yeah, that was fun. I I feel wonderful. I tell you what, fellas, let's all go over to a woodpecker's and get tattooed. (laughs) Not now, Mortimer, not now. Well, I've got to hurry along home now and read Wingy Manone's new book. It's called Trumpet on the Wing. Here I'm mentioned in there. Hope he says I'm hep. Hate to be a square. Well, Edgar... Thank you for dropping in tonight. Well, thank you, Bing. Say, Bergen, remember me? Oh, yes, yes, uh, Mickey Rooney. How are you? Yes. Yeah. Um, say, where do you get that Mickey Rooney stuff? I'm not Mickey. Well, you've always been a Mickey to me. 
You see, Mr. Crosby, you see no gratitude. It's what I Well, after all, Charlie, you're the one who wanted to leave Bergen. Yeah, and I'm going to do it, too. I'm going right home and pack my trunk. Charlie, when your trunk is packed, you're in it. (laughs) Oh, you comical man, you. (laughs) Who are your guests next week, baby? Well, next week, Edgar, we're having a merry, mad musical melange with Oscar Levant and Peggy Lee. Hmm. Say, Bergen, have you got a hunk of that Bergen's bitter bubblegum on you? What do you want with bubblegum now? (laughs) Well, it's time for us to blow, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) All right, it's time for you. Are you leaving me? No, no, don't be silly, Bergen. As long as you got bubblegum, I'll stick with you. Just what we're looking for, too. A happy ending. Good night, Charlie and Edgar. And thanks. This program was produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Myrtle McKenzie. Tune in to Philco Radio Time next week and hear Bing Crosby, John Scott Trotter, and his orchestra, the Widow Bears, and Bing's guests, Oscar Levant, and Peggy Lee. And remember, keep your eye on your Philco dealer now for the newest thing in radio phonographs from Philco, the leader. And that's the Philco Radio Time from November 3rd, 1948, starring Bing Crosby, his special guests, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Lisa, do you think uh, Edgar Bergen's lips were moving at all on that? I don't think so. No? You know? Not at all, huh? Not at all, no. I think it was wow. perfection. And what a resurgence we've had in ventriloquism yes. since uh, Terry Theater won season two of America's Got Talent. Now he's at the Mirage Hotel in Las Vegas. What a great show that yeah, is. Yeah, and Jeff Dunham is terrific, too, as a ventriloquist. So uh, now all that needs to happen is you need to get a dummy besides me and go to Vegas and have a big show, too. I would love I'm that. I'm here. You oh. take me Mike, to Vegas. Mike will do it, he says. I'll, go. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> all right. Well, that was the Philco Radio Time. Now, before we tune into the Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show, I want to say hi to your parents. Yes. Bob Matanke and Alice Matanke are here. Hi, gang. Hi, we're happy to be here again yeah. with you guys. How are you, Bob? Oh, just terrific. You know, yeah. they do this I, once a year, yeah. and this is their once a year day, and, and this is a new location and beautiful new studio. We've not been here before. Yeah, Lisa so. paid for all these studios, you know that? <laughs> well, my dad helped me out a little bit. Yeah. This was <laughs> only like to do 20 that. or 30 million bucks, so it's like <laughs> sure. mere bag of He just wrote a check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, tell us the story of why you're named Alice. Faye, because your your mom was a big fan? My mom was a fan, and she loved the name, and so I got stuck with it for the rest of my life. And, well, it's a good name. Well, I mean, and were you a fan of Alice Faye, too? I don't recall. I, yeah, she was before your time, yes, Alice she was. Faye. But your mom loved her, and so, so she... here I am. Wow, and I have a question for you, uh, Bob. When Lisa was a little girl, did she really call all the radio stations and try to win prizes on the air all the time? She she did that constantly. Constantly. And I she, still do it. And she frequently won, too. <laughs> yeah. She, and she had like a rotary yellow phone, she told me. <laughs> she had a redial. Oh she, oh, she was good with that, right, with the redial? Was it a rotary dial phone? It was a rotary. I had to put my finger in the number and actually go around. Wow. It was time-consuming. I'm from the days of operators. Will you say number, please? Oh, wow. Like <laughs> Murray Hill 522590? No, not that far back. Oh, not that far back. Not that far. All right. Well, it's so great to have you guys in the studio, and I hope you're enjoying the show. And we're going to listen to a Phil Harris and Alice Faye broadcast for you right now from November 6, 1949. This is called The Television Set, part one of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye Show. Good health to all from Rexall. 
It's the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and 10,000 independent Rexall Family Druggists. And now your Rexall Family Druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Yesterday, the Rexall Company's board of directors had a special meeting to discuss a proposed television show. It concerns Phil and Alice. So let's go back to yesterday's meeting. Mr. Scott is speaking. And so, gentlemen, I'm in favor of doing a television show starring Phil Harris. But, J.S., do you think it's advisable to let the public see what Harris looks like? (laughs) Oh, he doesn't look that bad. Besides, I don't think we'll get any complaints as long as we don't put the show on around dinner time. (laughs) Oh, Harris might be all right for television. I don't care much for him personally, but he seems to go great with the women. My wife raves about him. She thinks he's a fine actor, very funny comedian, and a splendid singer. Your wife? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you were married. I've been over to your house a number of times. I've never met your wife. I know, sir. We... Keep her up in the attic. (laughs) A wise move. (laughs) Well, gentlemen, let's at least test Harris for television. Very well. Let's have a few cameras at his radio rehearsal tomorrow and see how he photographs. Taking Daddy so long to come down this morning. Oh, he's getting dressed for our rehearsal. They're televising it today, and he wants to look good for the cameras. What's Daddy going to wear? I don't know, but he's a smart showman. He's been watching television for years now, and he knows what the public likes. Phil, are you ready? I reckon I'm a hankered to hit the trail, Ma. (laughs) Phil, what are you made up for? What have you got on? I belong Cassidy outfit, gal. I know what plays in television. Oh, for heaven's sakes, Phil. Take that outfit off. Stop chawing your cud, woman. (laughs) Just saddle your pinto Clyde and let's head for the old video corral. Gee, Daddy, you don't look like Hoppy. You make a silly-looking cowboy. Smile when you say that, little beaver. have to be a cowboy. There are a lot of things you can do to be successful in television. Like what? Well, you can either be a wrestler, give cooking lessons, or become a talking dragon. (laughs) I could become a marching cigarette, too. (laughs) Look, I can't miss being a big hit as a cowboy. All I need is a catchy name like Hopalong Cassidy. Uh, It should be a name that fits my character, though. How about Stagger Around Harris? (laughs) Well, if it ain't the dude from Horner's Corner. Come on in, tenderhead. (laughs) Pull up a hot Brandon arm and sit down. Philip, what on earth are you doing in that cowboy suit? We're auditioning our show for television, and he thinks this is the best way to do it. Well, Philip, if you insist on going into television, don't mimic anybody. Be yourself. I know that sounds dull, but with good writing, you might pull me to open. Don't worry about me. Alice is the one we have to worry about. 
Me? Yeah. Now, no, I know you'll photograph. After all, you're not Betty Grable and... Hold I... it! <laughs> Makes you think Betty Grable would be better than me in television. Oh, she can't miss. She's got a lot of personality. I've got just as much personality. She's very photogenic. I'm just as photogenic. She's still in pictures. Ah, uh, you thought it takes four-way cool tablets. <laughs> If you'd rather have Betty Grable on the show instead of oh, me, I... honey, stop I... with that. I'm only kidding. Well, I don't know. I don't want anybody but you, baby. Nuts about you. <laughs> ah, kid, you're my everything. <laughs> you couldn't live without me, could you? Oh, I could live without you. I just have to go to work, that's all. <laughs> You're going to be great in television, honey. Hey, look, we have to get down to rehearsal, so go upstairs and take off that outfit, pony boy. You look silly. I do not. I'll make a very dashing cowboy. Oh, I'll get that. That's probably Frankie. Oh, Willie sees me in this outfit. Oh, you love it. Hiya, Curly. I thought... Hiya, stranger. <laughs> you must be the new marshal down from Red Gulch. Huh? <laughs> Or are you the Redskin Scout from the Apache tribe? Yeah, me Redskin. What's with pale face? Got snootful fire water? I'll be an Albuquerque rug merchant. Just pretending that I'm a cowboy. You see, Frankie, I got a new deal cooking. Well, and I... We better get started for the. Oh, hello, Frankie. I said, hello, Frankie. Well, don't stand there. Say something. Pontiac, fine car. Well, Frankie, what's going on here? He say, he cowboy, me Indian. Me no ask questions. Me go along with gag. Huh. All right, turn it off, running water. This doesn't happen to be a gag. Remley, I got news for you. I'm going into... Television. Just think. Instead of having to watch them old movies, the public's going to get to look at Phil Harris. <laughs> oh, those lucky people. <laughs> Alice, do you realize how fortunate you are being the wife of the greatest boon to mankind since rubber pants? <laughs> The eighth wonder of the world, and he's all mine. Wait a minute. <laughs> what do you mean, eighth? According to the last telephone survey, I was third. <laughs> Just two tenths of a point behind the Grand Canyon. Now, <laughs> oh, come on, let's get out that rehearsal. The band's going to be waiting for us. And so, fellas, that's why I got down here to see you early. You see, I want you all to look your best when they test you for television. And that's why... All right. All right, knock it off. Break it up. Will you stop beefing? They're paying scale now. Now, are there any questions? Yes. What's television? What's television? Artie, you must have seen it in your natural habitat, the bar room. I know you've seen it there. 
I don't go to bar rooms anymore. Since when? Since the brewery put a pipeline into my apartment. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> pipeline into your... I wonder what the installation charge is. <laughs> Now, look, fellas, when you get in front of them cameras, I want you to try and look presentable, will you? Yeah. If you want the boys to look presentable, why don't you let me design uniforms for them? Wait a minute. What kind of uniforms? Well, well, I have something very colorful in mind, Frankie. You'll look very smart in royal blue best jackets, a maroon sash around the waist, and yellow trousers with a brocaded stripe down the side. Well, la-dee-da. <laughs> Gee, that sounds cute to me. Hey, Alice, can I have epaulets on mine to show I'm the leader? <laughs> All this fuss about uniforms and how we're going to look. I don't see why you're so anxious to go into television anyway, Curly. You won't be able to sing. What are you talking about? I'm still going to sing. But, Curly, you can't do that on television. As soon as you open your mouth and they see your throat, you'll give the whole thing away. <laughs> what whole thing? Everybody will see. you got a trained frog down there doing the same thing. Hey, Frankie. Hmm? I'll make a deal with you. What? If you keep quiet about my trained frog, I won't say nothing about the monkey who's playing your guitar from the inside. <laughs> And that's the first portion of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show from 1949. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 Classic Radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show from 1949. Then we'll have Inner Sanctum Mysteries, a good, scary radio show. So don't miss that. We'll see you next time right here on Hollywood 360.